Hello, you're listening to Rosie and Jessica's Day of Fun, episode 62, Cookies and Camp. Enjoy the show. I'm Rosie. I'm Jessica. And you're listening to Rosie and Jessica's Jessica's Day Day of Fun. Fun. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Rosie. I've just had a cheese and tomato sandwich. Oh, that sounds nice. I had some cake. Oh, I went to have a slice of cake on Saturday and it had gone mouldy. And I chopped the mouldy bit off, but obviously the mould had penetrated through and it tasted horrible. And I just had to get rid. Well, that's tragic. It was very sad. It was with the last slice of my chocolate courgette cake. It seems to keep fairly well because I made it, well, I guess a week ago now, but it's it's fine. Mm, I'm not quite sure what happened because I froze half of it. Ah, yes. The first half kept, but the defrosted half didn't. Never mind. Oh, well. Maybe the um, the freezing altered its molecular structure mm, i assume that's what happened also i've been keeping mine in the fridge the last few days because i frosted it with a yogurt frosting i should definitely have done that so once that went on i realized that obviously i needed to uh, not just leave it on the counter for it to fester i'm a bit tired today because i had a long day yesterday do you tell us why you had a long day rosie a long exciting day why jessica and the dear listeners i went to see the great british bake-off an extra slice be filmed i was in the audience for that I mean, that's just so exciting. It's very exciting. And so at this point, I know the Who goes out in week two. But obviously, obviously, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, Partly because we ought to sign confidentiality agreements, but mainly because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah, it was really good. So uh, it was Biscuit Week and we watched the episodes from last week, week one, Cake, while we were sort of getting sorted. And then we all got taken into the studio and shown the new episode that hasn't gone out yet. And then they brought on three guests and Joe Brand and they filmed an extra slice and they brought on the contestant who'd been booted off and did an interview with that person. I'm doing quite well at not even giving away their gender. (laughs) It was really good fun. The set is quite impressive. The audience section is a lot wider than the set you see on television. Yeah. But they've got these sort of screens up at the side that extend out from just their little sort of home baking area that have got lovely country file sort of scenes with gambling lamb on and we were told that there were fire exits behind them and I very much thought if there was a fire I would just burst through the screen and leave a hilarious rosy shaped cutout in a countryside scene. My friend Lucy took a bake along. She'd made a giant custard cream but instead of custard cream on it it said bake off and she wasn't selected to go into the pen of bakes which I think was wrong because it was really cool. But it did mean that because we were sitting in the audience, we got to just sit and eat her biscuit, a giant biscuit. That's cool. And it was great. And the day was a lot longer than we'd anticipated. So that was very much appreciated. And it was delicious. She's a very good baker, is my friend Lucy. It was really lovely. It was a really fun day out. And I will tell, well, I'll discuss it in more detail, obviously, when everyone's seen the episodes. It was exciting to get to see behind the scenes and to see the episode and how they make the television programme because they recorded for about an hour and a half to get half an hour's worth of television for Friday night. It's funny how it takes so long when actually they seem to be rattling through that, although they do, for each bit where she's going to tell a joke, they do four or five. Yes, and get the best one. Exactly. And then at the end they had to do pickups of lines that they'd... Woofed? Fluffed? 
close enough. It had an F in it. Yeah, so that was my exciting day out. And I came home and I was exhausted and I had beans on toast in bed. But then that sort of broke the seal on my hunger. So I then had a bowl of cereal as well. <laughs> yeah, I find that you kind of make it so fine. Like, oh, I probably don't need very much mm. now. I've, I've come this far. Like, no, I need everything. I've eaten my entire kitchen. Well, actually, I've had two exciting days out this week because on Thursday we went out and met friend of the show, long time listener, long time listener, Grace. Hi, Grace. Hi, Grace. And Cheryl and Katie, yay, yes. who was visiting from Texas and with her mum and her sister. And we went out and we went to Coffee Works, uh, which is in Camden Passage in Islington. Which was quite a pleasant coffee shop. It was. They did uh, vegan biscuits. Except for the massive step down as we were exiting, which I would describe as a death trap. I believe you did describe as a death trap. I did. Out loud. In front of all the staff. They should have a banister. And then we went to Loop, which was great and despite being a knitter of nearly four years vintage and a a lifetime londoner never been neither of us rubbish never been and that was lovely i really liked loop yeah loop is charming it was good there we found a wool that i now can't remember the name of but it sounded like a funny nickname along the lines of you know tingly minty fresh or something and it was the softest wool i've ever experienced in my life oh yes yes it was yes it was alternating colors striped the black and white one that looked like a cat's cradle elastic those uh, skipping ropes that you had at primary school and it was you fit around your ankles so it's so, so soft so it was like flames i loved it i would have bought all of it except it was like 100 pounds when i said it was like 100 pounds it was about 15 but if you'd bought you know all of it and there's a lovely picture of us taken in loop and the lady who I presume worked there, but the way she was sitting, knitting, she could have just been somebody who'd sat down. And she said that a lot of people have their picture taken against this wall of wool. I mean, it makes an excellent backdrop. It does. Oh, it was a lovely day. And despite the tube strike, I had quite a nice couple of bus rides, actually. Yeah, which, like the last tube strike, did not affect my day at all. And I just got a route master. It was truly a day of fun. It was truly a day of fun. Oh, it was so nice to meet Grace. Do you have anything else for intro or shall I do my song? I have one brief thing for intro, Jessica. On Friday night, yep. I rewatched the film Crank. Oh, dear Lord. Now, this debate, one-sided, has been rumbling <laughs> on. It's a debate really with myself, which Jessica unfortunately has to referee for some time because I included it in my top five films back in episode one. And then I keep saying, oh, what an idiot. Ah, oh, it is such a funny film. There's a bit where something comes up with subtitles and then they switch point of view to Jason Statham reading the subtitles and they appear backwards floating in front of him. And they keep switching to Google Maps and it's just got the Google Maps watermark to show where they are. It's hilarious. And the, it's one of the first things that happens is he calls his friend, who incidentally is played by Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. I, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to watch it now. And Jason Statham says, I was being killed, you plum. <laughs> Why would he say the word plum? It's not a good film, but it's a great film. Ooh, Bake Off Chat. Bake Off Dreams. The return of our annual feature, Bake Off Chat, where we have a little bit of a discussion about what's been going on in the Great British Bake Off. This week, we will just be discussing first episode, Cake. So obviously, if you've not seen the first episode, you don't want to know who goes out. Skip ahead, but it'll be quite brief, I reckon, because it's only the one episode. Jessica, what do you think of this bunch of contestants? Uh, They seem like a jolly bunch. Do you have any favourites? As ever. It's tricky to find a favourite from the first week, I mm-hmm. always reckon, because you just don't spend enough time with everyone. I liked, is it Nadia? Who has great scared eyes. 
I mean, that is a lot of scared eyes going on the tent generally. I like Dorette. Dorette? Yes. Who had a bit of a disaster, but she did not put her cake in the bin. So that is already there you go. a markup on some previous contestants. <laughs> I really like Marie, who was Star Baker. And yes. at one point had her hair being beautifully wafted around by the oven like she was in a low-level fan, perhaps with some soft lighting in a 1980s video. And I really like Sandy, who I suspect of being a plant played by Victoria Wood. <laughs> so I'm really random. I'll start making a cake and you end up with a meat pie. <laughs> what a lady. I felt that I was pleased that Stuart went home. Yeah, I think they picked the right person. I just think he had a bit of a mare. My current criticism with the series is not, as some people say, oh, the bakers are too professional, is that the standard of the challenges are too professional, because I'm sure we've said before, if you go back and watch the first series, the first ever challenge is make a loaf cake, any loaf cake will do, yeah. and things like macaron, which people happily you know, knock up to decorate the side of a cake with or something, that was a really difficult technical challenge later on in the series, Yeah, and because they haven't wanted to repeat things, the technicals and, in fact, the other challenges have become more obscure and more difficult. And I think that that is eventually going to become a problem because they haven't cultivated a culture in which they repeat challenges and they are eventually going to run out. Whereas I think, you know, this is their sixth year. If they get them to make crumpets again, nobody's going to say, I've seen people make crumpets before. I never want to watch this programme. You know, I think it would make it better because you wouldn't have people doing these sort of cakes you've never really heard of. Yeah, at some point you're going to run out of things that are... Um, edible. Ed- edible. That are, are possible in the time frame and are likely to be something that people wouldn't necessarily have made before that require a specific skill or demonstrate a specific skill in that one item, but are also not yeah, really obscure things that you wouldn't do at home. Like you could make crumpets at home. Most people probably don't. And and also the thing about stuff like scones is that because it is the technical, they're all given exactly the same ingredients and mm. exactly the same instructions and time. So it's comparing. It doesn't actually have to be something. There's no reason why it has to be something that none of them have ever done before. Yeah. It is just demonstra- demonstrating your technical ability. It and even if you, can, you know, you say you have made scones before. You probably haven't practiced them that week. You're not putting your own spin on them. They might not be asking you to make them the way that you would usually do it. And that walnut cake just seemed... I mean, it looked delicious. It looked delicious, but there seems something arbitrary about it, the way they said, oh, it's not a coffee and walnut cake, it's just a walnut cake. And then all of them, and they said, oh, it was a bit gritty. And you just think, well, wh- why are you making this then? Whereas actually, if you're encouraging people to make things like crumpets and scones, that's something I might then make at home. Whereas yes. sometimes they'll say, oh, you know, here's a weird cake that nobody's ever heard of before. I don't think there are that many people who would then think to make that. But um, I'm very pleased it's back. Yes, me too most exciting and uh yes i look forward to discussing episode two with you when everyone has seen it when i'm no longer under contract not to talk about it do your song my song is uh in honor of the lovely sunny weather which seems to disappear behind a cloud just temporarily i got very hot walking to the post office earlier umbop by hansen good gravy (laughs) you are welcome i was not expecting that to happen today Or any day, frankly. But why not? Why the heck not? Uh, it's a great song. I won't hear a word said against it. No, I won't. I mean, it's not a good song. Okay. It has been very warm. Um, You know, it's not even the uh, the heat. I think it's the humidity. Mm. It's just so... Close. Sweaty. 
It's close, very close. It's very close, isn't it? Sweltering. Oh, I know. It's just it's clammy. But, you know, you can get your copy of Umbop on, crack open a bottle of Hansen's own brand beer, Mhops. Mhops. I mean, well done. Just just for that alone. Bravo. Just, yep. Top fives! Top fives. This week, inspired by a film and television series I have not seen, there has been a lot of coverage of Wet Hot American Summer, the film and the prequel television series that Netflix has just put online, which I meant to watch for this show. Did not get around to it. And the making of documentary that's also just arrived on Netflix, all of which is in my queue. Yeah, mine too. We will be bringing you our top five scouting slash guiding slash camping based media. I'm so excited. Get in. Strap in. There is no prizes for guessing what's number one on mine. And mine. Ooh, I'm going to go for... At least three. I've, I I reckon at least three, and I think probably four overlaps. Mm-hmm. At least three in the main one, and then including everything, honourable mentions, I reckon. I think everything will have been. <laughs> I think everything. I think we'll have covered everything. So these are films, television programmes, etc., where scouting and summer camp is celebrated. Number one. Number one. Obviously, the greatest film ever made, Crank. No. Moonrise Kingdom. Can I put into words how I feel about Moonrise Kingdom? No, I cannot. Last year, I started doing some film reviews, and I found it so much easier to write about films I had problems with. I couldn't write a piece about Moonrise Kingdom because... Because it started with the words, I love Moonrise Kingdom, and then it had just had the end written after it. I love Moonrise Kingdom. I cannot find a single fault with that film. So much. Flames. Yes, it is about scouting, which meant that I, when I saw it in the cinema... I enjoyed it slightly more than everybody else because when (laughs) Harvey Keitel comes out wearing his blanket, I thought, we do sometimes wear blankets. That's what we do. It just chimes with my worldview so totally. That's why Grand Budapest, I like it, but it's got a more pessimistic view of the world, whereas Moonrise Kingdom, they just really love each other and I really like it. Oh, goodness. And I really like Edward Norton as the scout leader. What a good scout leader. Yes. They ask him, what's your job? And he says, I'm a math teacher. And this is what I do in my spare time. And he suddenly says, no, this is my job. Number two. Number two. Up. The wilderness must be explored. That was Russell. I I got that. And he gets his little great badge. And at the end, Carl comes to his badge ceremony because his deadbeat dad doesn't come. And then they have ice cream. He's a great scout. I love Russell. He's on my list of fictional children I would like my future hypothetical children to replicate. Of course, I can't watch up ever again. Just don't watch the first 12 minutes. Or cut off the first 12 minutes, then you have two separate films. One, a lovely adventure story involving an overexcited wilderness scout and grumpy old man and a dog and a bird thingy. Or 12 minutes of the most epic love story this generation has ever known. A short film about death. And love. Yeah, great. Spoiler. What? Spoiler and adventure. Oh, adventure. Still an adventure, because he was her adventure. <laughs> you can buy a lot of Moonrise Kingdom stuff on Etsy that has You Were My Greatest Adventure written on it. So there's a mashup of numbers one and two. Number three. Number three. The Pawnee Goddesses. Yep. Slash the Swansons from yes. Parks and Recreation. Correct. Do any of you have any food intolerances? Correct. Uh, you do not have any food intolerances. Do you march to the beat of your own drummer? Did you make the drum yourself? I like the Pawnee Goddesses. They are powerful women yes and excellent badges and uniforms really that episode of parks and recreation sums up my feelings about the girl scouts of north america versus the boy scouts of america 
less said about that, the better. Not only is that going on, it's the Treat Yourself episode. I know, I mean, it's an amazing episode. It's got everything you'd wish for. They had no need to combine those two. Oh, Batman's crying. Treat yourself. <laughs> Where she's got the scarf on her head. <laughs> Why? And then Batman cries. <laughs> Number four. Number four. The Parent Trap. Brackets. Lohan edition. Excellent choice. Obviously not centred around camping. The integral meeting happens at summer camp. Yes, I hadn't even considered that. And, if, you know, yeah, it's just great. And then they make their plans and she teaches her the handshake and she covers her with maple syrup or gunge or whatever it is. I say she and her because I do not know which is which. Their role is changeable. Number five. Number five. Adam's family values. Correct. I mean, I assume this is probably coming in number one on yours. You sent us to camp. They made us sing. What a great film. It teaches us what to do if we're ever forced to appear in a unseasonal Thanksgiving pageant. Yes. Kill them. What? What? Oh. What a film. Jessica, your top film, five. What a film. What a film. What a very good film. Mari, Well, I mean, in no particular order, so I don't really have a number one. I do. But I don't. Number one, Moonrise Kingdom. Are you putting that as your number one? No, that's just because it's not in any particular order. That's just the first one on the list. Oh, I see. But you do have a number one, but it's not in number one. I don't think we can really say much more about Moonrise Kingdom because as Rosie explained, she's incapable of talking about it. Oh my so God, she... I love it so much. I was going to quote it, but the quote I was going to do was, what sort of a thong? I don't want to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Ryan Styles on her, whose line is it anyway and not from Moonrise Kingdom. My quote bank. Has be- Who's misfiled all my quotes? Uh, I'll save you the effort. 200 CDs, none of them in the right boxes. Good lord, that is peculiar. <laughs> My head is a <laughs> I'm just going to do the greatest hits of Whose Lines Anyway every time I try and talk about Moonrise Kingdom now. I do apologise, keep going. Number two. Number two. Troop Beverly Hills. Yes. Now, you claim I've seen this, but I don't remember it. I'm sure you watched it with me. Maybe you didn't see all of it. Maybe you came in halfway through. It was like, it turned up on Channel 5 one Sunday afternoon. Of course it did. You know, of course it did. Stars. Shelley Long. Shelley Long. uh, Diane from Cheers fame. As an uptight Beverly Hills mother whose daughter joins. They're called the Wilderness Girls. Because often in media, they're not given the correct, like, actual affiliated name. They're kind of an associated thing. Sam Shikusky is a khaki scout of North America. Yeah, it goes horribly wrong for them. But then it goes brilliantly right for them anyway she's not used to the outdoors and she has fabulous outfits and she's the kind of person that would go camping in stilettos but they manage to sell enough cookies to go to camp obviously because they need to get there for the grand finale and then they make use of the fact that all of their slightly pointless activities like well their activities are more shallow than shall we say the other troops but they all come in handy in the end and that is what being a girl scout is there is a film with what seems like a similar premise called Smart Cookies, where somebody who doesn't seem like they should be leading a Girl Scout troop leads a Girl Scout troop. That's a Hallmark original movie. Oh my god, I have to see this. I know. I mean, it's basically a Christmas movie that's not a Christmas movie. That's amazing. Number three. Number three. Up. Yes. Again. That's a Wilderness Explorers as opposed to the uh, Boy Scout. Because there wasn't as be explored. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's move on quickly. Uh, number four. This is. I, getting... I ate my own tears. <laughs> they fell into the stew I was trying to eat. I was watching up and I ate my own tears. Number four? Number four. The Treat Yourself episode of Parks and Recreation starring the Pawnee Goddesses and the Pawnee Rangers and obviously the Swansons. Treat yourself. 
I'm so pleased to have seen that because I've been referencing Treat Yourself for approximately two years. Now I've actually seen the episode. Finally. And uh, finally, number five, Adam's Family Values. So we had four out of five. So we had four out of five. That was pretty good. Okay. I was right. Actually, I was expecting one of yours to be Treat Beverly Hills. Well, I would have put it on there. But I can't say that I've seen it all, and I felt that right. would be... It's on yes. my honourable mentions. Okay, good. Obviously, we had to bring it up. I'm a big fan of Shelley Long. Yep. I watched the Brady Bunch movies, and she's in that. She's very she funny. Is, yes. RuPaul. Oh, yeah. He's a guidance counsellor. Mm. Honourable mentions? Well, I put down Wet Hot American Summer, because that kind of inspired the thing, and I'm looking forward to watching it, and I have a feeling I will really like it. Yes. I would be very surprised, given the cast, the premise, the general atmosphere of it if I do not like that film and television series. I concur. Any more? Uh, yes, I have Adam's Family. Not Adam's Family Values, the Adam's Family. Because, because... of one line. Because of one line. Uh, well, because of one scene involving Wednesday and Pugsley selling lemonade by the side of the road, uh, at which point a Girl Scout turns up, who is Amanda in, in uh, Adam's Family Values. Harmony from Buffy. Oh, yes, I forgot that. Who, despite being... Uh, the antagonist in the scene actually can be commended for her incredibly classy reaction to everything that Wednesday and Pugsley say. Is your lemonade made from real lemons? Are your cookies made from real Girl Scouts? At which point Amanda just decides to take the high ground and just walks away. I watched Camp Nowhere last year, a film in which some preteens blackmail Christopher Lloyd into being the responsible adult when they set up their own summer camp. Yes, they did. Hang on, I'm remembering something. Does it's it have Andrew me. Keegan in it? It does. It has Andrew Keegan in it. Oh my god, I think it does. I didn't even mean that. Sound the alarms! His name is Andrew Keegan. And Rosie remembered it. Andrew Keegan, IMDb. Let's just check filmography. Best picture winners? I don't think so. Seems unlikely. <clears throat> this is going to be worth it. This. Yes. Yep. Yes, he Zach plays Dell. Zach Dell. There we go. Oh. Who even knew that this was going to be a Keegan episode? The best ones are the unexpected ones. I often just, find Keegan just, just pops up. up. We're just, oh God, it's him again. Keegan! Yes! So that's why that's included. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade begins with a teenage indie in the Scouts. Obviously showing his kind of, ooh, this is how we begin our adventures. Ooh. On the non-scouting, but the summer camp, discussed earlier this year, the Babysitter's Club movie, where they set up their own day camp. And yes. this, of course, gives us an opportunity to revisit the Nostalgia Chick video about it and how one of them's kind of in a weird, abusive relationship with her dad and the other one is obsessed with having diabetes. But it but can't tell anyone because it's like mortifying. The boy she's going out with is Italian and she he finds out that she's 13 and he's 18 and she's like, well, don't worry, you can come back next year. She'll be 14 and he'll be 19. That's even weirder. What a great film. I really I liked d- that I don't film. know if he was... Was he 18? I, anyway, it was weird. Um, yes, the Nostalgia Chick video is, is hilarious. I flunked acting. <laughs> I've written um, NCIS here because McGee is a... I can't remember what, what they call their group, but he's basically a scout leader and every so often he turns up. In I shorts. think he's turned up more than once in, in uniform yes. and it does involve shorts and a neckerchief and then he occasionally with a team of boys following him also in the same outfit, which obviously Donozo finds great joy in. In the Lucifer Box stories by Mark Gatiss, I can't remember whether it's the second book or the third book, but there is a weird, sinister, fake scouting movement, which is quite funny. I just remembered that. Those are good books. The first one, The Vesuvius Club, is the best one, but Noted. they're all good. I own them in what they call the Lucifer Box set. Very clever. That is very good, yes. 
In uh, Relative Values, the knockout play and also film mentioned previously on the podcast, starring uh, Jeannie Andrews. Girls ga- girl guides, sorry, turn up every so often because it's set in the 50s, so they're, they're proper girl guides in their full uniform, their hats and stuff. And uh, they're determined to get a, a sneak peek of the film stars that are staying in the house, so they keep turning up in like the shrubbery in the garden and stuff. People appear and say, did you know there are two girl guides in the shrubbery? This, this one is for why only one line. Uh, last week's episode of Partners in Crime involved Tuppence picking a lock with a hairpin. So, Where did you learn to do that? In the girl guides. Yes. And, and finally, I have... Oh, no, not finally. I didn't know if you would put Lumberjanes. You put Lumberjanes. Oh, what an idiot! Of course I should have... I meant to when I thought of this. I was going to put Lumberjanes. Perhaps this is what inspired it. Maybe it is. That would make more sense. But yes, Lumberjanes, as I spoke of last week, of which I spoke last week. Very enjoyable. Looking forward to the next collection coming out in the autumn. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, and finally, I have Whip It, because they're the Hull Scouts. Oh, great. Named after the Tough Cookies, who are an actual team. Rosie, what's your song? Well, my song this week is also from the Spotify Discover Weekly playlist, with which I've become un petit obsessed. And it is called Delirious by Suzanne Sondfer. Sondfer. An O with a slash through it. Yeah. Suzanne Sondfer. Delirious. I really like it. Good. Yeah. I shall listen to it immediately. It's kind of... You can dance to it, but there's an edge. What's your snack, Jessica? My snack is fruit roll-ups. Oh, have you had one recently? No, I think we were talking about, about them at work the other day. That's that's it, but more like fruit leather, so like one you would make yourself. But Jessica, you're vegan. That is how we got onto the subject of fruit leather. Could you wear shoes made of fruit leather? Well, you could, but you'd have to hope it didn't rain. But you would always have a handy snack. Needle and fed! Needle and fed. Let me introduce you to the wonderful world of blocking... No one's really knowing where the boat is going. Willy Wonka. Oh. I re-listened to last week's Needle and Fed to find out at what stage I had got to. Oh, I've done a tremendous amount of knitting. Shall I begin? Please do. If you could start at the beginning. A very good place to start. Yeah. Well, I had finished my Mercia shawl out of my West Yorkshire spinner's Aaron and was saying that it had come up a, a little small and I was a bit disappointed. I blocked it, and this was my first attempt at ever blocking anything, and I looked it all up online, and there were lots of things about, you know, oh, you want wool wash, or this special soak, or you can use shampoo, and then once you've pinned it out, you really ought to pin it to this and use these kind of pins, and I thought, eh, in for a penny. <laughs> so instead of using any special soaks, I just dunked it in a sink full of cold water, and then laid it on a towel, rolled up on the towel, knelt on the towel, if you have never hand-washed a jumper and then dried it out by rolling it to towel and kneeling on it and sort of dancing around on your knees, then you have not lived. Before I'd even begun the sort of stretching process, I measured it and it had gained 30 centimetres in its in width, Tremendous. which is nearly a third of it because it was just under a metre. And then I pinned it out. Uh, I have a, a bed that's not in use in this house. So I laid down a bin bag with a towel on top and just used dressmaker's pins to pin it out and left it to dry for about 24 hours and it sorted out a little bit of the rolling on the edge because I had cast off in knit after a knit row so it was rolling a little as stocking stitch and yeah it's come out brilliantly and uh, I mean it isn't sort of a big shawl but it's definitely much more workable having this size and the lace is very pronounced and the stitches are very neat and then the Yosemite Falls cardigan then became my my primary project and I'd finished all of the extra ribbing on the bottom and I put the button band on 
which as I said I would do I changed slightly from the pattern so it was all one connected thing rather than doing button band separately and then a neck band and I cast off but I cast off very very tightly so it sort of horribly distorted the shape of the cardigan and it went up about three inches at the front so I ripped that out and recast off in the super stretchy bind off which I've used now on all of the edges on the sleeves and at the bottom and I don't know it isn't quite as neat or distinctive as normal cast off but it served the purpose brilliantly and then I blocked that um, it's only 40% wool so I wasn't sure whether that would work as well and it hasn't necessarily grown that much but it looks so much neater in the back because of the way the increases and decreases on the lace which is a wave pattern down the back that was quite baggy and it's all neatened that out a lot and I've got my buttons on order I did a big Derry Moore's order and that's coming so uh, the buttons will be on this week so I can wear it to a party at the weekend awesome Uh, I also have about a hundred other projects now happening (laughs) so I Cast off that Mercia shawl, and I finally decided what to do with the Millhouse. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Lace weight variegated. I think that's the word. Pink wool that I bought in Ramshambles a few years ago. So, firstly, I spent three hours winding this ball of wool. <laughs> I witnessed some of this. Oh it, my gosh. Was... Well, I didn't realise that if you buy a skein, one of them twisty things that looks sort of like a chocolate twist, I thought you could just knit from that. And then I realised that actually, as soon as you kind of pick it up and un- you untwist it and it's just a huge loop of wool which you can't knit from because it would just get tangled immediately and I don't have a ball winder or one of them I can't remember what they're called spaghetti but- dryers yeah those uh, umbrella things that you wrap your hank of wool around to wind from so I put it over two dining room chairs and just did it all by hand and I cast on a I'm going to call it a spooler a spooler I cast on a shawl that's from a pattern called Scheherazade um, but I didn't think I had the enough wool so I was doing the smaller version which is called Dunyazard we only need seven of them well I'm making shawls not veils so I think I'll get away with it the pattern's not brilliantly written so the smaller version rather than being lace all the way has a stocking stitch segment and then you start the lace and pick up from where sort of halfway through the big version pattern but it's a bit confusing and I don't think I've got the right number of stitches but I have sat and done math so many times I cannot work out how you are meant to get the right number of stitches and it's not quite clear how many you should have and actually I think what I might do is I'm not too keen on because it's variegated I don't really like the the way it's come out and I think it would look much better all in lace so I'm going to I think rip it back do the lace version and if I run out of wool get a plain cream lace to do the final section of yeah that would be nice yeah because if I in fact I plan to do it so it will start on a particular section it won't look like I ran out of wool although that will be what happened and I am going to get the beads to put on it because I wasn't going to do it beaded and I've decided I'll do it properly because it's a beaded shawl so that's kind of on hold and in fact I'm going to rip out quite a lot of but I have started knitting Rigby a new sweater in the end of summer. Well, not the end. I had a lot more West Yorkshire spinners wool than I thought I would. So um, I'm knitting him a striped raglan jumper, which isn't the round. So the stripes are a little, you know, they're jumpy at the edge. But it's coming up quite quickly. That I've done it with a cream stripe so that when it joins, although the colours will kind of change in the stripe, it won't f- fade as well as it, you know, yeah. it won't fade exactly as it should do. I think it will look okay. And that's coming really quickly because it's an hour and weight jumper for a bear so yeah yeah, and it's just yeah knitting up and I've got my wool on order for the dungarees for my Humphrey toy and for owls so exciting I was thinking about owls yesterday I'm very excited it's a cascade wool in 
tarnished, which is an undyed all-natural wool. Because of the size of the balls of wool, I'm going to have quite a bit left over, so I'll probably make a small shawl or a hat or something. Cool. Yeah, I was thinking yesterday about what colour I'd want to do, and I think maybe a moss green. Mm. I definitely wanted to do it quite a natural colour, and I've gone for grey, which is what they use in the example pictures. And yeah. I quite like grey jumpers. Yeah, I love a grey jumper. I've got um, a lot of grey clothes. In the last year, I seem to have gained a lot of grey t-shirts. Um, so obviously I wasn't too scarred by having to wear grey to school. But it, I have noticed the other day that I uh, I don't ever wear red, because that was my school colour. <laughs> just don't have any red clothes, really. So I have finished another pair of the Autumn Street Baby Uggs, this time in the three to six month size, uh, for a friend whose little girl was born a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I took pictures of those. I will upload them to Ravelry later. Oh, those are so cute. Yeah, I saw the finished picture of the pink ones, the sort of multicoloured pink. And I think they're absolutely gorgeous. I'm really impressed. Yeah, I, I did these ones in... Uh, they've got a grey cuff on them and then the uh, the instep and sole are uh, a kind of nice leaf green colour, which is very pleasant. I think that works quite nicely. Um, and I have just started this morning the great bunting project for the week because I have to make a load of bunting for a party that we're having at the weekend mm. for our mum's birthday. So exciting. So yeah, I've got I've got five different kinds of floral fabric and I'm cutting out loads of triangles. I'm going to do them double-sided, I think. And uh, I'm going to do two different sizes, not for the same lengths. I should do them so we've got one set in large and one set in small for different different uses, inside and out. It's very exciting. They're going to be really cool. Awesome. So yeah, tea party time. Ooh. And that's me for needle and fed. No, it isn't, because I made a chocolate courgette cake. Yes. Like you mentioned the other day. Yes. And mine has a, a yogurty. Actually, still chocolate, but it's chocolatey, yogurty uh, topping, which works quite nice, and it kind of soaks in and goes all gooey and lovely. Yes. Excellent. What have we seen this week? What have we seen this week? My beloved Alex Capranos was on Gardener's Question Time. That's an amazing combination of people and items. Not on the panel, just asking a question, and he says... Oh, really? Hello, I'm Alex. I'm a local resident. (laughs) That's how we and a musician, and then he asks a question about what they like, what you like to listen to in the garden. And no point does anyone acknowledge the fact that he's Alex Capranos. I mean, apart from the fact they then posted it online as that. But it's uh, yeah, it's really funny. I'm a local resident. I love him. What? <laughs> um, I've also, as we mentioned, uh, with my music choice and last week, I'm really liking Spotify's Discover Weekly playlist, and it's really dumb because it feels like I'm praising big corporate algorithms. But last week's playlist had... I listened to the whole thing and then I saved some, as you can do on Spotify. You can sort of add them to your library. And I did that with, you know, five or six tracks, which is pretty good out of 30 to find things. I think, wow, I really like this. And I've uh, started listening to this week's because it's Monday and they come up on Mondays. And in fact, I was wondering when it started. So for the last three days, I've been thinking, it's my new weekly playlist on. But I know, I was today. that yesterday. I was like, mm, I, I get new songs tomorrow. Yeah. That's exciting. I saw a video the other day, I think it was retweeted by, or tweeted about by Mitch Ben, but I've I've seen a couple of people post it. And somebody has mashed up The Cure with the Commodores uh, into something called Easy Heaven. And it is uh, Easy Like Sunday Morning, mashed up with Just Like Heaven. And it works perfectly. Have you seen the video, which is Don't You Want Me Baby, where they've auto-tuned it so all of the lyrics are I was or you were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar <laughs> when I met you... You were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when I met you. You it was really, it's really funny. I haven't. That sounds entertaining. But via a friend of the show, Tara. There's a post here 
where somebody has realised that they'd seen Purd Hapley of You Heard with Purd from Parks and Recreation playing a newsreader on Pretty Little Liars and The Fast and the Furious. And then he was spotted on Scandal and in the film Battleship and in Dexter and then presenting the actual news because he is a former newsreader who then became an actor but he said to his his agent he only ever wants to play newsreaders. So he just appears in loads of TV and film reading the news. I don't know if that's insane or brilliant. I think it's somewhere in the middle. You heard? <laughs> How funny. I love you heard with Purge. Uh, finally, I have a article, an article from The New Yorker, which is called The Spinster Agenda. Oh, yes, I read that. That was brilliant. It's done as a Q&A. And, for example, the first question is, question, what is the spinster agenda? Answer, a plot being carried out by unmarried women between the ages of 22 and 90 with the aim of quietly taking over the world. And it's very funny. Well, the, it really, you know, ties into, I think, our aesthetic, shall I say? Ethos. Question, what are some of the goals of the spinster agenda? Answer, increasing the prominence of women in the government, a greater reliance on bike share programmes, the elimination of lonely cats, better television adaptations of the Bronte sisters' work, further research into cloning Benedict Cumberbatch, Glynis Johns in her Mary Poppins costume on the $100 bill, world peace. And I really do want world peace. I like it. There's a bit about knitting in it as well, so... There is, yes. It really... I am fully subscribed to that agenda. I'm not so bothered about the Bronte sisters or Benedict Cumberbatch, but, you know... Every spinster has her own tastes. Yes, you can't put us in a box. No, that's all from me. And that's all from him. Very good. Okay, we will return in two weeks. Two weeks when I will have just returned from a brief trip to the Edinburgh Fringe. How exciting. The biggest arts festival. The biggest arts festival. Well done. Thank you. Bigot's ass. <laughs> that's the name of my pub. Bye! Bye! To find out more and to read show notes for this and past episodes, you can visit our website at rosieandjessica.co.uk. You can email us at hello at rosieandjessica.co.uk. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Day of Fun Show. Don't forget you can find all of our archives and leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. See you soon.